Welcome to the I'm Uncomfortable podcast, where we tackle the issues you feel awkward talking about and put ourselves into uncomfortable situations you secretly relate to. We're not better than you. We're the same as you. We're just willing to publicly talk about our innermost cringe and shame. I'm Melissa. And I'm Vanessa. Let's get uncomfortable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the I'm Uncomfortable podcast. Today, we have a special Mother's Day episode to give a shout out to all the people out there who have birthed a child. Kudos to you. And joining us in our conversation today is Dr. Michael Aquino. He's an orthopedic and pelvic health doctor of physical therapy, founder of Deconstruct Health, and is a physical therapy consultant and one of our closest childhood friends and you might remember him from season one on our super fun episode called your pelvis and you and it's the episode actually where vanessa learned how to do a kegel for the first time so (laughs) welcome back michael say hi to everyone hi everyone before we get into it let's kick things off with our uncomfortable moments and as the kegel newbie i'll go ahead and start (laughs) first uh so i today got to visit what i'm going to lovingly refer to as ghost house So uh, one of my hobbies, and I'm trying to get into it more, is real estate investing. And so one of my friends, her dad's an agent, and he said that he found a property out in Livermore. If you are from the Bay Area or if you're well-versed in California geography, you know Livermore (laughs) is quite a bit of a ways away from where I was in San Jose. So I drove there today uh, to just make it happen, see the house, and it was a crack house. There was broken glass everywhere. There was, like, holes in the ceiling. I think there... smelled very much of gas so did did something burn did the house burn and like not burn down the door opened and hit the sink in the bathroom it was just all kinds of crazy and i was like you know looking at the black mold maybe this is too much for (laughs) me like maybe this is too big of a project for you vanessa you know you went you saw you didn't conquer but like it's okay now you know so kind of uncomfortable being in crack house ghost house um crack ghost house but <laughs> but that was my uncomfortable moment <laughs> wow i mean yeah. you definitely put yourself out there <laughs> trying sure to did. potentially bite off more than you can chew but you recognized it before you did that so kudos <laughs> to you on that um my uncomfortable moment is more of like a work disgruntlement um I've been getting pulled in so many different directions at work, and I won't get into details, but I've always joked um, to my coworkers that I feel like the lost child in the department because like, I live in this in-between in terms of my roles, and I get pulled in one direction, and then I get pulled in the other direction, and I just never know. And whenever, while everyone else has their dedicated check-in meetings, I'm over here like, hey, remember me? I'm doing this project over here. You know, I need, you know... You know, some so I've just been having such a interesting time navigating, like elevating in my roles at work. So it's been like this weird struggle. So I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how about you, Michael? Okay, my uncomfortable moment was going on vacation again for the first time with my husband, and then post vaccinated going to Santa Barbara for a little weekend trip. Yay. And then coming back home sick. <laughs> no. And then having a the COVID. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God. I was like, I would be the few people who get COVID after they get fully vaccinated. <laughs> but then I found out it was just like a regular throat infection. And so once I took my antibiotics, I was good. But I had a fever that went up to 105 
on Holy crap. yeah that's really high <laughs> that's yeah. really high that's like really high luckily tylenol helped control the fever and kept it down to like 99 but yeah i was like after two days of having a fever i was like i should probably get checked out now by someone and so what a yeah. weird world thank, that we thank live god in for telehealth we're like getting getting diagnosed with just a regular throat infection yeah. is like, like oh thank god you know yeah like oh i just have a fever no big deal it's not no COVID. Yeah. right i was like very uncomfortable because i was like damn it i have covid <laughs> <laughs> you were that person almost yeah i was like dang i got the strain because this shit's affecting me like hardcore <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I don't know how to how to come back from that one <laughs> or transition, but we're just gonna go for it. <laughs> and thanks for sharing, Michael, your uncomfortable yeah. moment. I'm uncomfortable for you. Um, in celebration of Mother's Day and the honest to God miracle that is childbirth, we single, non-married, and childless individuals are going to get big, uncomfortable, and learn about what happens to your pelvic region after you give birth. So, Michael, before we go down that journey Mm -hmm. can you tell our guests a little bit more about yourself if they don't remember you from uh, your pelvis and you (laughs) oh yeah so then i'll tell the most relevant part so i'm a pelvic floor physical therapist a lot of people don't know what a pelvic floor physical therapist is i'm basically a physical therapist that um, specializes in treatment of people with urinary bowel or sexual pain and dysfunction so if something's going wrong down there and they find out It's not something that can be treated medically with medicine or some type of medical intervention. Then they refer you to a PT to help with the musculoskeletal and nervous system down in your pelvis, which a lot of people don't even know exists. (laughs) I mean, yeah, before this, when we were doing a little bit of research, um, I was like, what even is the pelvic floor again? I had to like look up diagrams Mm -hmm. of like anatomy of what the pelvic floor is. But yeah, we're super excited to have such a qualified person to have this conversation with. But before we delve into your questions, let's give everyone listening a chance to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And we'll be back after this short break. So, as two people who have zero kids and are super uncomfortable with the idea of giving birth, (laughs) we decided to ask our audience, one, if they have any kids, and two, to describe childbirth in one word. So, Melissa, can you hit us with the results of our poll today? And hopefully, if you're listening, you got a chance to participate and let us know if you've birthed a child and how you feel about it. Oh, y'all did a poll? I didn't ever mm, saw this poll. We did a poll. <laughs> we did a poll. We did a little sneaky poll. I asked three questions. So I asked, children, do you have them? Do you want them someday? Or no, not for me. When we talked about childbirth specifically, 80% of people who answered said they have not given birth to a child. And our responses for our question, asking people to describe a childbirth in one word, One said, ouch, and um, another person said, messy and miracle, (laughs) with an LOL. So, ouch, messy, miracle. That's the vibe going on right now. So, clearly, (laughs) more than just us are uncomfortable with this idea. (laughs) So, Michael, what is your one-word perception of childbirth, and what about it makes you uncomfortable or not uncomfortable? I don't know. Oh, man. One word. That's hard. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I have a word for this. Okay, three words. We'll give you three. (laughs) Okay. 
I actually, I go with the three that the people were saying because I feel like it's a spectrum for sure into mm-hmm. how people experience childbirth. And usually the people who see me are more on the ouch and like, what the, what the, like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. WTF. There you yeah. go. Those are your three words. That's, that's usually when, when people come to see me, that's usually the words they have to say about what's happening. <laughs> Okay, so when we were doing a little bit of research, like I mentioned earlier, about the post-childbirth pelvic floor terminology or anything that had just would come up, we just wanted to have a little bit more information. I came across the term that I've a term that I've never heard before. It's mm-hmm. called the fourth trimester. I don't know if you've heard about that. Okay, he's already nodding his head for the folks <laughs> listening. Yeah. And it referenced rehab. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the postpartum recovery isn't really something that is talked about much as much as the whole like three trimesters that we're all familiar with. So why do you think that is? And what a, what has been your experience with new mothers or just mothers in general coming in or people in general coming in for a treatment plan after having given birth? Yeah. So any surprising stories or things no, that yeah. you can share? I mean, in, I mean, in the U.S. and like many countries, there's no care for postpartum. Like um, France is one of the few countries where people do get a dedicated like fourth trimester plan. Like they immediately have a pelvic floor physical therapy consultation and wow. they're and they get and they're scheduled out for pelvic floor physical therapy um, immediately wow. after giving birth. So yeah, there's definitely places where you are given pelvic floor rehab afterwards. And it's because it's a big like life event that happens. I mean, if you think about um, all the things that can happen during pregnancy and that there, it's basically a major surgery too, that people usually get rehab after major surgeries, even simple That's surgeries true. that I work with, like people with like a basic knee surgery, like a meniscectomy are going to get um, rehab afterwards, but pregnant people aren't given rehab or even offered the opportunity for rehab typically uh-huh. because of a lack of information. That is crazy to me now that I'm thinking about it in that perspective, because your body literally shifts around organs to make way for a a human being to come yeah. through your body and how is there no Vanessa's raising her hand she has a question <laughs> how is there no plan for that afterwards here it's crazy Vanessa I just, I'm curious if and I don't know if you know the answer to this but like mm-hmm. if you have a c-section does it still affect your pelvis yeah no definitely I mean just think about the baby as a load on your pelvic floor the pelvic floor is a supporting structure and so your your pelvic like your pelvic floor still has to support this growing baby inside of you too and there's still yeah there's still impacts onto it and there's a rehab for c-section is definitely a thing too so that's something we can talk about is that when people have a c-section people assume they're just going to recover and so many of the people that come to see me and even my cousins who've had C-sections when they realized I could actually help them, they're like, what the hell? Like, I, I could have gotten help for this or I didn't have cool. to like, live with this. But yeah, it's something that just I just feel like it's because we just really like um, women's health isn't something that's properly, I feel like, given enough credit for. And even now we just started doing research in terms of like doing more studies on women or at least cisgender women. And things like that, so. Great. Well, I guess I'll see you in a few years because they told me real cash-like when I had my fibroid that I'm going to have to have a C-section in the future. So, 
See yeah. you soon. Yeah, so there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so definitely, um, yeah, a lot of people, assume, that's one of the biggest myths, I feel like, that people think after a C-section, um, everything will be fine. It is less common to experience in things like incontinence after, like, a C-section, but it still happens. So it's not like it doesn't happen. And you can deal with other issues, like um, abdominal pain. People still can deal with other issues, like, related to, like, their core strength and things like that. So right. it still well, can okay, be so impacted. How do you come into play here then? Because honestly, I didn't realize until you told us mm-hmm. that physical therapy can be super important for, for moms uh, that it was. Yeah. So what role do you play in helping women heal? And why would it be a good idea to seek out physical therapy if I've just had a baby? Yeah, so um, that's where people, what we talk about at the six-week marker postpartum, that's when people typically will have their physical therapy appointment. If, uh, for what we're trying to recommend as the fourth trimester, that six-week mm-hmm. postpartum visit with a, a pelvic floor physical therapist to just make sure like everything is going according to plan, that you're not having, you're not dealing with leakage issues um, still, or if you are, how to rehab appropriately from it, and that you are able to perform a Kegel correctly. Because um, remember, I don't remember if last time I told you all, but um, people have been not, some people don't perform Kegels um, correctly. And when I've actually evaluated some people um, intravaginally, I found that they were actually pushing out and bearing down and not actually squeezing and tightening and contracting the pelvic floor muscles. Um, Michael, Dr. Aquino, for those (laughs) of our listeners who might not have heard the first episode and who might be Vanessa of the past, can you just really quickly explain what a Kegel is and why that would even be important? Because it sounds like a funny pastry. Yeah, it's no, yeah, it does. It does sound like it. So like Kegel was named after like a person. <laughs> like a, but that's how the term was coined. But basically a Kegel in, in, in reference to the exercise is a pelvic floor muscle contraction. So if you have a vagina, what you're going to feel is if you insert your finger intravaginally, like one single digit, you'll feel a squeeze around your finger and a tug up towards your belly button. So like you'll feel your finger draw up towards you and you'll feel the walls close in on your finger. And so that's how you know you're doing a pelvic floor muscle contraction correctly. So what I find is for some people, they can't even do this. And some people might even do the opposite and actually push out and bear down. And so if you have other um, issues like pelvic organ prolapse, which we might go into too, because that's also something that's, can, that's pretty common postpartum, um, you can actually end up worsening this pelvic organ prolapse instead oh, of helping it. down versus yeah, like versus contracting. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so wow. if you're trying to work on strengthening, yeah. Well, okay then, just because you mentioned it already, what are maybe the, maybe the top three common things or issues that people who have just given birth... Um, experience in this fourth trimester that need treating? I'll talk about just through my own perspective as a physical therapist, because then um, in regards, uh, so so in terms of as a pelvic floor physical therapist, what I see um, most commonly is um, urinary incontinence. And so that's um, urinary leakage. That's when you leak. Um, there's different types of urinary incontinence. So there's stress urinary incontinence, urge urinary incontinence, and mix. Those are the three common ones I see. Mix is basically a combination of stress and urge. So stress urinary incontinence is when a physical activity or some type of like physical stimulus causes you to leak. So like coughing, sneezing, jumping, running, walking, getting out of bed. Yeah, that can cause, yeah, that can, um, that's stress urinary incontinence. So due to some physical factor. 
urge is when you have this strong urge to go and then you leak because you can't keep it in. And wow. so sometimes I'll see people for a combo of both. And um, it's, it's usually like, that's what the mixed category is. Yeah. And All so, right. yeah. So some people too end up with increased frequency of urination. So they, um, it feels like they have a smaller bladder, like they got to go pee like more often. Um, the, um, yeah, so that's one of the, that's a major common one for sure is urinary incontinence. Another common one is pelvic organ prolapse. So that's when your pelvic organs can actually descend downwards and there's levels and so grades of how severe it can be grade one to grade one through four. And it can be like very minimal descent of the pelvic organs going down. You'll actually see it go in. You'll, um, you can actually see, um, the, the wall of the pelvic organs come towards you in the, uh, in the vaginal canal when you're doing, when I'm doing an evaluation. And oh, then, okay. so we're, um, what you do is, um, is we're testing to see how much the pelvic floor organs descend. Cause ideally they're not supposed to descend at all if you bear down, but if you do bear down and there, you feel like this bump that's going down towards your vaginal canal or it feels heavy or full, that's a common complaint. Like there's this pelvic heaviness and discomfort in the um, like in the pelvic area. That's usually um, indicated of pelvic organ prolapse. Interesting. And then, yeah, and treatment for it is either um, medical or with physical therapy if it's a, a grade one or two. A grade three can put, maybe benefit from pelvic floor physical therapy, but at that point you might need surgical intervention already for the pelvic organ prolapse. And there's also something called a pessary. It's something that you insert. It's basically like you just, it's like this support, uh, this, this support structure that you just insert to help with keeping the walls like, up there and is that a permanent thing that you put up there um no the pessary <laughs> is something you take out and put back in so it's something it's like a device like that assist. you yeah so it's basically like think of it as like a push-up bra <laughs> <laughs> oh interesting <laughs> i love that okay. i love that i was like it gives you assistance to help with lifting everything up in there so that your so your pelvic organs don't descend and they have some actual physical support wow yeah okay so much like so much has just happened to my <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> i didn't know any of it i think for mother's day maybe instead of getting my mom a happy mother's day card i'll just get her a condolences card so like <laughs> sorry sorry about your pelvis. pelvic floor sorry about your vagina i like <laughs> my bad happy mother's day i, I forgot oh, yeah, one of the major ones too that a lot of people see before i think one of the bigger ones also is um being able to engage in sexual intercourse again without pain oh. and so oh. a lot of people um yeah postpartum can be so afraid that common then because i I've, I've heard very mixed reactions about having sex again after giving birth some people sub- seemingly just go right back and and pop out another baby right away uh, yeah. Aren't you supposed to wait that you, six weeks though? You are supposed like to wait. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So your so your OB guide should give you clearance and tell you when is it safe again to um be able to have sex clearance. again. Clearance. You're clear. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> but just because you're cleared to have sexual intercourse doesn't mean it'll be comfortable either. And oh, so wow. that's where seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist can be helpful because we can help with improving the pain again and teach you exercise and self-management um, tools to be able to decrease the pain and get back into um, normal functioning again. But when we're talking about when you say pain during intercourse, I would think I don't even know how to like 
I, I know that your body just went through all of that trauma essentially. Mm-hmm. And is it like I always when some when I'm in pain or I or someone else is in pain, I'm like, what kind of pain is it? Is it like a stinging? Is it like a burning? Is it like a, a like a throbbing pain? Yeah. Is that typically what like what type of pain usually is it that people come and see you for to help with? And it can be all of the above. So like oh, all wow. of like all of like the because the, those, those are just descriptors of pain, right? So right, really, right. the reality is are they if they're experiencing pain or no pain, and then just trying to figure out how we can improve that so that their structures can handle um, sex again. Because if you think about what sex entails and the demands on the muscles internally or the vaginal canal internally, it has to be able to handle stretch. It has to be able to handle um, pressure and it has to be able to handle friction. And mm-hmm. so the, so it has to be able to handle um, like different aspects of movement internally and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Your so. body in- inside is just probably all bruised and it's like we just went through so much pressure and so much stretching and so much all of this stuff. It's like, no, don't do this again. <laughs> like- yeah, and think about like there's a lot of fear like going back into it after especially if someone's had pain with intercourse once postpartum, they're less likely to want to have sex again after it and it'll be something that they start to fear and avoid. And I think that's the biggest thing is that there's this big fear avoidance that can develop around it too, which I notice amongst my patients is that there's there's afraid and then giving them that validation to know that it is safe and that there and that the pain they're experiencing isn't necessarily going to be permanent or damaging mm-hmm. to their bodies and that we just have to work gradually to get it to be less sensitive. And so right. just knowing that information helps them a lot too. But it can get more complex than that. Like sometimes you'll need extra help. Like maybe you might need estrogen cream to um, help with supplementing the tissues. Maybe right. like there might be other issues happening that you have to, You that's why you need a really thorough evaluation from your gynecologist like also. And then once they check everything, then your pelvic floor physical therapist will also check everything on their end, like with their right. what, with what we're looking at. So... Okay, no, that's that's is a good transition because my last question that I had here essentially was what advice, because you're talking about making sh- like empowering them with the knowledge essentially, mm-hmm. and and even the fact that considering pelvic floor therapy as an option in postpartum. So I I kind of want to wrap this conversation up with any sort of advice that you may have for either soon-to-be moms Mm -hmm. or or like or new moms on how to better take care of um, their pelvic health after they have a child yeah so one of the things I definitely recommend like even if your like OB-GYN doesn't know what pelvic floor physical therapy is um, I would still if you're noticing that you're not recovering as well as you thought you would or if you're um, noticing that you're still leaking you're still, and this is even if you've given birth like six years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago, because wow. I, I work with people like way later postpartum. Like it doesn't mean like, and th- some of these people thought they didn't know that they could get this, um, that all of these dysfunctions or pains treated. And so, yeah, just asking for a pelvic floor referral or um, in, in California, at least you can see a pelvic floor physical therapist directly without a physician's referral but it'll depend on your insurance um if you're paying if you're paying out of pocket then you obviously don't need to worry about a referral but if you're going through insurance some insurances require a referral yeah from uh from your gynecologist or your primary care and so that's something to do right away because 
it's um it's really hard sometimes to just try to treat yourself if you don't even know the baselines of what's going on yeah so i always recommend seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist because at least you can get um a an evaluation to know what's happening and then from there you can at least get a treatment plan so to figure out what to do because it's hard to kind of just guess what's happening. Okay, well, one last question. I'm, I'm sorry, I know that I said that that was the last question. Oh, no, but, it's okay. Um, just for um, reference, typically for the people that, on average, that you've worked with that have had children, mm -hmm. um, how long, you talked about a treatment plan, how long, on average, do those treatment plans take? Like months or a year or maybe even a couple weeks, just for a reference point? And then, so yeah, that again, it really depends on the individual. The yeah, mm -hmm. so when I'm when we're assessing patients, it, um, everyone's treatment plan and duration is going to vary. Some people get better so fast. I've had patients who get better after two visits, so that was like two to three weeks of working with me, and they were like, I'm chill. I was like, everything's good to go. I was like, thank you. I was like, they're able to do everything they needed to do. They can have sex with their partners again. So they're all good. In some cases, I've worked with people for like six months. and Or I worked with people during their pregnancy. And I worked with them postpartum. And so right. over the course of time, I worked with them for a period of like four to six months of working together with them. So it really varies. So you want like... It's not, there's no cookie cutter approach in telling people this is how long it'll take for you to recover because everyone is a, a different starting place into how severe their, um, like their pelvic floor like, is, is right. impacted. Okay. Good so to wrap things up, I, I think it would be helpful for our audience to know what should I notice in myself that would signal to me, oh, I might need to see a physical therapist for Yeah. This. So if you notice, um, like I said before, if you notice any activities or like coughing, sneezing, laughing are um, are causing you to leak, that's a pelvic floor. A sign. Yeah, that's a, that's a, like a, that sounds like a pelvic floor dysfunction. If you're having painful intercourse um, and everything has been ruled out medically um, and there doesn't seem to be any treatment offered to you besides that, then pelvic floor physical therapy is probably going to be a benefit for you. Um, if you're dealing with pelvic organ prolapse and um, you're, yeah, if, you're, if your doctor diagnoses you with pelvic organ prolapse, but they don't really offer you any form of treatment, you can, um, that's, another, that's another sign to go see a pelvic floor PT to see if they can at least teach you because you might be making the pelvic, you could potentially make the pelvic organ prolapse worsen by different things that you could be doing in terms of your bowel and bladder habits, how you're doing things. Um, and yeah, I was like, but another thing is um, the main goal with pelvic PT is just to get you back to doing things you love again. Because a lot of times, a lot of these conditions, um, a lot of people will be told just to stop doing certain things that they love, like, um, like stop working out and lifting, like don't you like just don't run anymore or like. Oh, I've definitely been told that. Yeah. Like by a, by a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> go in for, for pain and they're like, here's pain meds, just stop running. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah. And so that's really, so a good physical therapist and actually a good healthcare professional in general will help you find ways to modify things and get you back to what you want to do or help you modify it so that you can do as close to what you were doing before. So that's really like what I would suggest because you shouldn't feel like you have to live with these common things that people like, experience in terms of like postpartum but it doesn't necessarily mean it's normal like just because it's common like that's another a phrase that i always hear a lot that other pelvic floor physical therapists say is just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal it doesn't mean yeah. it's not treatable like you definitely like should at least try to get treated for it 
because what's the worst that can happen that just stays the same but if it does get better then you don't have to live with it anymore right yeah good advice well Thank you, Michael. Uh, that was very informative. I learned a lot jam-packed into <laughs> these past few minutes. Uh, if our listeners would like to learn more about you, know more, and follow you, where can they find you? Is there anything, any last bits of information you want to share with our audience today? Oh, yeah. If you feel like contacting me um, through my email, it's info at deconstructhealth.com. Um, that's also my website, www.deconstructhealth.com. Um, if you needed to find a pelvic floor physical therapist in your area, um, there is the Academy of Pelvic Floor Physical Therapy. Um, um, and that's, you can search that in Google. I forgot what the actual website is. There's um, um, the GFAM network, um, the Global Pelvic Health Alliance membership network. I'm a part of that membership. So then you can find a local pelvic floor physical therapist there. Um, you can also go through... Um, Herman Wallace, and they also have a pelvic floor physical therapy finder. So there's wow. tons of websites where you can find a pelvic floor physical therapist in your area. And yeah, you don't feel, don't feel like you need to wait. I was like, you can just find one on your own. There's tons right. of resources out there. Awesome. Well, thank you. There's so many good resources for anyone that not just postpartum, but just in general, like just making sure that you're prioritizing your health. Well, thank you again, Michael, for being with us and giving us so much information. I think every, I, I don't know, it seems like we learn so much every time you come on here. <laughs> so much. Well, and thank you all for listening today. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on Instagram at imuncomfortable.podcast. And if you have an episode idea or a guest suggestion, send it our way at our website at imuncomfortablepodcast.com. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so we will see you then. Bye!